What's up, gamers, and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you have just entered my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I go over my favorite gaming news of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming decree. This week, I'll be talking about real actual PS5 faceplates that you can pre-order now and my excitement behind them. But first, let's dive right into the episode with my thoughts on the latest gameplay video released for Xbox Series X exclusive, Scorn. Listeners, some of you, most of you, maybe all of you, may remember a little game called Scorn that was first debuted in its current form at Microsoft's May Xbox Showcase 2020 event. Now, if you're like me, a couple of things. You'll remember that it was very, very awkward and unnerving, the trailer that was shown for the game, as well as the fact that the reaction online, to be honest with you, uh, it was kind of a mixed bag. Some people thought it was really unique looking and uh, were very interested in finding out more details about the game, while a lot of other people, myself included, a couple of my friends, we were very kind of weirded out by it and just kind of confused as to what exactly is going on here. What are we looking at? So over the last few months, uh, I've tried to open my mind to what the potential of this game could be and try to be realistic to the fact that, okay, this is something completely unique and different and maybe I should give it a shot, right? So in this newest gameplay video that has been released, we watch for about 13 minutes as presumably a developer of the game takes us through this environment. And it's the same environment that we've seen in every trailer and gameplay walkthrough of this game so far. And I will say that something that has always jumped out at me about this game is its graphics. I think graphically, it is a very, very good-looking game. Uh, it's very detailed, and the environment that you're in, uh, whatever it may be, it's what I would call environmentally full. And what I mean by that is there's just a lot of details going on here. I mean, it just looks very organic. Uh, everything about this game looks biological and organic uh, in its inspiration. It looks like skin tissue and, and mus muscles and just all kinds of uh, organics uh, going on within the environment. Same thing with the weapons, the enemy types. I mean, just everything. And, and that's why I think it's so kind of unnerving to a lot of people and so weird and different. But to be honest with you guys, uh, you know, I, I was very interested to see what this new gameplay video was going to show off, if there was anything new or different. And to be honest with you, uh, it really didn't show anything different. Um, not, not from a gameplay standpoint, from what we've already seen before. We've already seen walking through these corridors of wherever this place is. I don't know if it's a research facility, if it's a uh, different planet and there's a location on this planet that we are on. I don't know if it's uh, just some kind of underground labyrinth or I, I don't know where we are. A city, I, I don't know what's going on. But the bottom line is... Speaking of labyrinths, it is very labyrinthine, the environment itself, and it looks like you could easily get lost in it if you're not really keeping your bearings about you. Uh, one thing that I thought was really good as well is not just the graphical fidelity, but also the lighting is just excellent in this game. And, and this trailer specifically is shown off very well with what looks to be almost like a searchlight that's coming across as if there's a flying... Like a, if, if where a helicopter were to go through and, 
be shining a light uh, down below. It's kind of like that. You would see just this light passing through the environment in front of you. And the way the light reflects off the surface and everything, it looked really, really good. Uh, the audio I also picked up on was extremely immersive and just really, really good sounding. Uh, the creatures in the game have a very unique sound. The environment, as I said, is very much just vi not just visually, but also audibly very organic. There's uh, a very squishy sounding footsteps uh, as your character is walking around. And speaking of those footsteps in this character, uh, unless I didn't pick up on it before, it looks like my man's naked in this game. So <laughs> I don't know if this is just the beginning of the game or if it's just how you play the game the whole time is uh, without any kind of protective clothing or armor. Uh, but it was very interesting to find that out within this trailer. Uh, you know, the guns themselves also feel organic and were made uh, very much confirmed that they are organic in this trailer as well. Now, we had seen some ammo uh, being replenished and, and reloads on these weapons and other trailers. But in this game, it really, it looked like there is a place where uh, our character stops and kind of stocks up on some ammo, but it's the way that he goes about getting the ammo. Everything is almost organic and alive. It's these little tiny orange glowing brain looking things that are on stalks that he gets uh, kind of replenished in his ammo clip in a sense and uh, takes possession of it. And then as he replenishes and restocks his gun, uh, just kind of just a very methodical and very slow, I will say, uh, reloading process um, you, you see on screen happens. Um, I don't know, guys. It's just very like, wow, this is this is very different uh, It is definitely one word to use for it. Uh, I will say, though, it's it's definitely got my interest. It has definitely got my interest, and I, I do want to see more. Uh, we've really only seen two, maybe three enemy types. Uh, there is a bigger bull-looking charging enemy type in this trailer. Uh, you have your typical slug-looking enemy types, is what I'll call them, with arms uh, that you've seen in every other trailer. Uh, we did see a new weapon type uh, or weapon mod. It looks like you have essentially one main uh, attachment, I guess, or or main weapon, base weapon, that you find different attachments that that weapon will then, honestly, it looks like it has a mouth and it will snap into or lock into the attachments to make it, to go from just like kind of your basic shotgun or pistol to a grenade launcher, which is the first time we see that kind of a weapon in this game, uh, in this trailer. And that was pretty cool. Uh, the effects for the explosion, I thought, were done really well. And it just looked visually, it, it looked good. But, you know, the game overall still looks unnerving after this 13-minute uh, video. But I'm ultimately very curious to see what Ebb Software, the developer, ends up bringing us. I, I really want to know what the story is, guys. Like, I want to know why is this guy here? What is this place? What is going on? What are these creatures? And please, just, uh, I, I need to know. I got to know. Now, we know that it's coming in 2021 and that it will be exclusive to the Xbox Series X uh, and S and that it is also going to be available on Game Pass. So pretty awesome there, uh, definitely. So that way, if it's too crazy or weird, at least I'm not going to have to you know, look back and say, man, I, I dropped 60 bucks for this game. But I definitely want to see more on it. Can't wait to see more. So that was what I thought of the Scorn gameplay video that was released this past week. And one other thing in Catch of the Week this week I wanted to bring up, as I had mentioned in the intro, was the PS5 faceplates. Now, guys, this is a completely, totally different subject here. But uh, the fact is, I am very interested in customization, whether it's 
for controllers or the console itself or within the game that I'm playing. I love personalizing and customizing and making things my own and unique to me, right? So ever since the PS5 was kind of outed as being, hey, it looks like you can remove these faceplates. I wonder if we're going to have customizable faceplates. And then you know, Sony did that, that teardown video and we saw that, yes, you can take them off pretty easily. Well, a, a company that is named, ironically, Plate Station 5 uh, has created some faceplates for PS5. And believe it or not, it, it's a legit thing. It's real. It's not backed by Sony or uh, involved uh, in, with Sony in any kind of way. They're a completely a third party here. Uh, but they have created five new faceplates that you can actually pre-order at the time of this recording uh, for $39.99. And the different colors, you know, it all started, they said, with they thought that the PlayStation community deserved a black matte faceplate for the console because they felt that the console should have been black. So coming from that, between people that were involved in the project and close to the project and the different financial backers that they were involved with, uh, everybody kind of was suggesting to them, like, hey, you know, you, you guys should do more than just the one color. Like, try to do a a, a multiple option of colors. And so they did. Uh, they chose to do so. Uh, those different colors, if you're curious, are cherry red, chromatic, indigo blue, camo, and, of course, that limited edition is what they're coining it, matte black. So I personally, I mean, the black one looks really sexy. I, I'm really happy about that because any of the different custom designs you've seen online or different, uh, you know, pieces of art that people have created to where it's a, a black Fiat PS5. I think it has looked awesome, but at the same time, I'm very partial to blue guys. I really am. So, uh, that indigo blue would be really, really cool as well. Uh, cherry red, that would also be up my alley. Uh, camo. I'm not really a big guy in camo, but, uh, any of the other colors I really feel were, would actually be pretty cool. So, Definitely interesting. Uh, I thought it was really neat that they ended up, a company actually was created out of the desire for a uh, black PS5. Um, these are supposed to release on or around the 12th of November, the release date of the PS5. And ultimately, I am very, very much so uh, in the realm of potentially getting one of these. I'm kind of waiting and seeing right now to see what Sony does if they come out with an official announcement that they have faceplates of their own they're putting out and what those colors may be. But uh, at the end of the day, I still think it's really cool that a third-party uh, creator has already jumped on uh, the customization train and started making these custom faceplates. Now, my other question is, is it going to be like the faceplates were for the Xbox 360 and they're a big hit maybe in the first year max of the system and then they just kind of disappear and nobody cares anymore? Or is it going to be something that lasts the duration of the console life cycle? Only time will tell. But that was my catch of the week. So now let's go check in on my final, unfortunately, October horror-themed segment, Terror on the Sea. As stated, listeners, this is the final Captain's Quarters episode in the month of October, and this segment, Terror on the Sea, has been a lot of fun to put together. I thoroughly love survival horror games, horror games in general. You guys know this, and this is the last Captain's Quarters in the month of October, so therefore it will be the last segment of Terror on the Sea until 
October of 2021. So let's get right into it, guys. This is where I choose two horror games. One that I'm currently deciding to pick up and play and give it a shot that I've probably been wanting and sitting on, wanting to play for a long time and just hadn't gotten around to it. Uh, And then after playing it, seeing what it's like, finding a different game that was from the past that it reminds me of in the same genre of horror. So this episode, I am going back to the past, 10 years in the past actually, to a game that is known as Amnesia, The Dark Descent. Amnesia, The Dark Descent. So if you don't know what this game is, this is one of your classic survival horror games from back in 2010. Now, I didn't realize until I was playing this game that this is actually something my brother-in-law had highly recommended to me 10 years ago, but at the time, it was only on PC, and I don't really do a whole lot of PC gaming, so I just never got around to it. Well, on the Xbox, the PS4, there is an Amnesia collection that was available for purchase that I actually purchased last Halloween, guys. And that's how long I've been sitting on this game. So I decided, you know what? This is another game that always gets such high accolades. Let me check this game out. And if you don't know what it's about, it's kind of uh, set in a medieval setting. The game starts with the character Daniel waking up with a case of amnesia. Not knowing where he is, what he's doing there, what happened to him. And he's in this dark castle. And essentially, you are tasked with exploring the castle and trying to figure out what happened and how to get out of the castle. And as you're exploring... Obviously, there's a lot of dark spaces that you have to stay away from. You have to stay away from the darkness by lighting different uh, candles and and methods of lighting within the room to keep yourself from getting into too much insanity because the longer you're in the darkness, the more the insanity creeps in and you can end up dying or having to restart, essentially. So there is that. Now, that's how you start out. And as you are going through, you also hear voices, you see visions, whether they're real or not. You just really don't know what's going on. And it's just really creepy and definitely, definitely mysterious. So as you go on, you will eventually come into contact with uh, an enemy type. And essentially, they're stalking you throughout this castle as you are trying to stay out of the darkness as well as escape and keep your sanity at the same time. Very cool game. Uh, Very interested in it. I would love to get more time with it, but this past week has just been really, really heavy for me, as you'll see in my captain's log, with a lot of other experiences that I've been enjoying. But the bottom line is, Amnesia The Dark Descent is the current game that I had checked out this week. Now, what does it remind me of? What other horror game has it brought back to my memory, to the forefront of my memory? Well, guys, do you remember a game called Eternal Darkness Sanity's Requiem? That's right, if you remember it, it is that game on the GameCube that released many, many moons ago, and it was an absolute amazing experience, because this is one of the only games that I can actually remember or think of outside of maybe the original Metal Gear Solid that actually breaks the fourth wall and messes with you, the gamer. Uh, They, it was an amazing game. Bottom line is, it also dealt with amnesia it dealt with sanity and the psychosis of a person's psyche and and the way that visions and interpretations of things can really mess with someone Uh, it also dealt with time travel and and things of that nature and the story took place over centuries it was amazing it was just way before its time and the coolest thing about breaking the fourth wall with this game it would pop up at certain points 
and all of a sudden say that your save data was corrupted, your save file. One of the worst things as a gamer you could ever see, if not the worst, is your save file has been corrupted. And then it would just kind of, you know, kind of, you know, blur itself out and go back to normal and pretty much be like, oh, I got you. Uh, things of that nature. Um, instant deaths, uh, just all kinds of different really cool things that Eternal Darkness did to mess with the player and mess with the player's sanity. It was just so unique of an experience and so amazing. And this game, Amnesia, really reminded me of it in that sense of just kind of not knowing what's going on, set in the past, uh, just a different... Periods of the game where you're trying to maintain that pe that level of sanity just long enough to escape and to survive. So definitely thoroughly enjoyed Amnesia. Loved going back in my mind to the days of Eternal Darkness, Sanity's Requiem. And if you haven't checked out either game, uh, if you somehow have a GameCube or just want to check it out and look at videos online, definitely check it out. Really cool. And Amnesia, always on sale, especially right now with the Amnesia Rebirth just having launched on PC and PS4. Definitely the time to check out the Amnesia Collection. So that'll do it for my final Terror on the Sea this year. Now let's go check in and see what else I've been playing in my Captain's Log. Guys, when looking back on this past week of what I've been playing, it is very apparent that Halloween and horror are very much at the forefront of my mind uh, this past week, as well as pretty much this entire month. I love the month of October and the season of Halloween and the genre of horror, and I have just really, really lost myself to a lot of horror games this past uh, couple weeks, and I've loved it. You know, I was just talking about Amnesia, The Dark Descent that I played this last week and Terror on the Sea. Uh, last week, I talked about Canarium and Paper Dolls that I had been playing. Uh, all of which, uh, Canarium and Paper Dolls at least, I should have reviews coming very soon for you guys. So I won't go into the details on them. And I'd also mentioned uh, and continue to play my career mode essentially, Be a Pro in NHL 21 this past week, which is still a lot of fun. But the main game that was a new title that I played this past week that I so am in love with right now is a game that I had no idea even existed until this past Friday. So three days ago, I was made aware of this game's existence, and that is Pumpkin Jack. Now, what is Pumpkin Jack? It sounds very much like Nightmare Before Christmas. Well, you wouldn't be wrong for thinking that, because he does have similar traits of Jack Skellington from the Nightmare Before Christmas, but he is his own character, Pumpkin Jack, that is, and he's the main character in his self-titled game, which happens to be a 3D action platforming uh, game that is very much designed with the old school style of gameplay at heart. And what I mean is you have your basic theme stage levels, you have your collectibles throughout, you have your combat, you have bosses where you have to find their patterns and follow those patterns. And I just, it's, it's just such a lot of fun to play. And I've thoroughly enjoyed the stages that you can go to. There's only six in the game. And I would say that each one probably takes you one to two hours, depending on how much time you're spending tracking down those collectibles so it's not too too long of a game it's kind of a perfect length for what it is but it's just a lot of fun it's got a fun story uh pumpkin jack is basically uh what used to be a human and he's a spirit now who the devil has uh tasked with tracking down this wizard uh in, in the in the living realm so to speak who has been giving him a real problem by trying to eliminate all of the devil's work throughout the world if you will sounds kind of dark but it's really it's done in a very fun, comedic kind of way. So the devil recruits Jack to 
infiltrate Earth in, in a sense, uh, in the body of this pumpkin uh, and, and on this humanoid body, uh, and then therefore track down and destroy the wizard and uh, get him out of the way of the devil so the devil can take back what was his on Earth. Uh, very cool, uh, very interesting, and again, it may sound dark, but it's really not. It's, it's really done in a very fun, comedic way. And the stages are all different and varied. Uh, you have a swamp, you have the different, uh, you know, meadowlands, you have a skeleton city, just a lot of cool different variations on the levels. And I have enjoyed each one of them very much so. Uh, the platforming is a lot of fun, albeit some of the jumping can be floaty at times, which I'll get into in my review, uh, which should be pretty soon. But overall, I've thoroughly enjoyed the game. If you like old school action platformers of yesteryear, then you will love this game. Definitely check it out, especially this last week of October leading into Halloween. Thematically, you can't look for anything better. The music is right there with what you would expect from like kind of a Nightmare Before Christmas or spooky, uh, fun Halloween style vibe to it. Just good stuff, guys. So definitely check out. I would recommend Pumpkin Jack. Any of these other horror games I've mentioned, a lot of good times here that you could have in this last week of October. So that's what I've been playing in my Captain's Log. Let's go check out my Gamer Score quest and my progress in it. Guys, this past week, as I stated, I've been so busy with these horror titles, and they're all on my Xbox, so I have not played any PlayStation this past week, so I have not had any progress in my trophy progress section. But as far as my gamer score quest, to remind you, I have two ongoing quests right now. One is to reach a goal of 280,000 gamer score by the launch of the Xbox Series X on November 10th, and the second goal was to reach a console generation gamer score accrual of 100,000 gamer score. So essentially, by November 10th, have looked back on my entirety of seven years of Xbox One and say, hey, I crossed 100,000 gamer score in that seven years. Well, guys, I will go ahead and say that that generational goal or quest of reaching 100,000 in the seven years, just to remind you guys, last week I ended with a generational score of 99,630 gamer score. So I just needed 370 gamer score in order to break that 100,000. Well, guys, this past week, I got 1,390 gamer score. So if you're doing the math, I surpassed my generational goal of 100,000 gamer score and the generation of Xbox One. So it currently sits me at 101,020 is what I have earned this generation of Xbox One, which is really cool. Uh, I don't have another generational goal because obviously there's only at this point two weeks left until the console releases. I'm just really happy to be able to say, yeah, you know, I crossed 100,000 G in the seven years that the Xbox One existed. That's pretty cool to me. Uh, now, as far as my specific gamer score ongoing goal or quest, uh, I was last week, I ended with 277,275 with a goal of 280. Well, with my 1,390 increase, over 47 achievements unlocked, it put me at a 278,665 gamer score. So doing the math again, I am 1,335 gamer score away from that goal of 280,000. So I'm really hoping in the next two weeks that I am able to pull that off. Uh, if I'm able to get the time that I would like 
it shouldn't be too difficult, but again, uh, it may come down to the wire, uh, just with my, you know, availability for gaming these next couple of weeks being what it may. So we'll see what happens, but that's where I am with my gamer score quest. Very excited to have completed and met my quests end for my generational goal. So hopefully over the next two weeks, we will see me be successful as well with my current gamer score goal. So now let's check out some gaming tips I have for you and paper dolls in the form of some buried treasure. So as you know, guys, I've been really into my horror games recently and paper dolls is no different. I thoroughly enjoyed the game and can't wait to get into the details with you in my review coming very soon. But until then, I figured I would help you guys out with a specific puzzle area that is in the game towards the end of it that I felt was very, very confusing. And I did not feel that the game gave you a good enough explanation as to what exactly you were doing here. Uh, so I figured I'd help you guys out, save you some time. So towards the end, you're going to get into a room that is going to have four different pillars around the room. And they're going to have different squares that have been etched out into the, each pillar as if you were to place something into those etchings. And you're also going to come across four different wooden tiles. Well, obviously the idea is you put the wooden tiles in the correct order in these cutouts and the pillars, right? Well, the bottom line is you can't just put the wooden tiles into the cutouts of the pillars because they just fall right out. So uh, there is a red lit candle that is inside the room with these pillars and ultimately what you have to do and you don't do anything like this the rest of the game which is why i would say that it's kind of not put out there in my opinion but bottom line is there are uh actually two tiles that are stuck together when you first come across them you end up having to use the flame to melt the wax and therefore separate the tiles and then you also have to use the candle yet again to add more wax to the bottom of these tiles as an adhesive so that they'll stick to the wall. But that's not the only part of it. The worst part, that, that you know, listen to me like, all right, well, you know, I can probably figure that out. Well, that's not the worst part of it. You're supposed to figure out what the order is to put these things in on the walls and the pillars. The way you're supposed to do that, according to the game, is by looking at this hymn that is written in Chinese, uh, which I do not know Chinese. So, uh, you're supposed to compare the symbols, and they do have certain symbols circled and things of that nature, but there's four symbols that are on the tiles, four different tiles, four different symbols, and in the hymn, there's only two th symbols that are circled. So, okay, well, where are the other two? Not to mention, the symbols, they're the only two that match the four tiles, but there's four symbols on four tiles. Anyways, guys, it's really insane, uh, and I'll just tell you, look, use the red candle, to melt the wax to separate the two tiles, then use the red candle to put the wax on the bottom of each tile, all four of them, so it's now got an adhesive, so it'll stick to the pillar cutout, and then place them in the order. There's three pillars that are on one wall and one pillar behind you if you're facing those three on the other wall. Put them in the order of one, three, two, and then four will go on the wall behind you. They are numbered when you look at them in your inventory. So one, three, two, and four four on the wall behind you. So bottom line is, uh, if you, maybe you're a lot better than me, but that was a very frustrating moment for me. So I figured I would try to help you guys out if you decided to play paper dolls and save you some time. So that's the buried treasure I have for you guys this week. Now let's go check out my captain's decree.
This week, guys, my captain's decree is a question that asks, should console customization be a thing? And if so, should its options expand? Yes, is what I think. Now, I'll play devil's advocate here and try to look at both sides, but initially I'll say my ultimate opinion, I do think that there should be console customization as a thing. And what I meant by should its options expand? So think with me for a second. You have the faceplates, which is what I've talked about earlier in the episode for PS5. We have faceplates back in the day on the 360. So yes, there's customization options there. You kind of make it your own. But should those options expand outside of just faceplates and things of that nature? So should its options expand? What I mean by that is instead of just picking colors for a faceplate or even a design of a game uh, or different games or sports teams or whatever it may be, let's go a little bit further. And Xbox 360 had done this a little bit. There was a custom kit that you could buy and then you could do custom images on your computer and then print them out and put them in this clear case. You went through all that craziness, right? To go through and get your custom faceplate. Well, and don't get me wrong, I love mine that I did uh, back in the day. But now in the here and now, uh, that was back in 2005, 2006, somewhere in there. We're almost 20 years later, guys. Like what I would say nowadays in the days of the Xbox Live Design Lab for your controllers, where you can get laser etched uh, text on your controller, things of that nature. I think we should do something along those lines for console faceplates as well. Like elevate it, guys. Don't have just colors as an option or sports teams or logos. Like let's actually really get into the nitty gritty parts of the customization aspect of things and really make it our own. You know, my gamer tag is hulking Yoda. I would love to put hulking Yoda laser etched onto a faceplate or have some kind of design for lost at sea gaming or something of that nature on a console faceplate. I think it'd be really cool. Uh, if I could transfer into a laser etching or some kind of uh, like actually cut into the design or the material of the faceplate, the logo of the show or whatever. Those kind of options I think would be amazing. Uh, for someone like me who loves to customize and to personalize and to make things my own, I think that would be great. Uh, now, a couple of negative things here. Uh, you know, my thing is, is like I had said earlier, is this something that would really catch on with mainstream gamers? Uh, for the most part, I don't know. I, I really personally, I don't know if it would or not. Uh, and if it doesn't, then obviously we're just going to kind of crash and burn right when they take off uh, and, and never probably get to, because you got to think as a company, they're not going to just jump right out there and do laser etching for faceplates on the console. They're going to wait and see Start with the colors, see if there's an interest there, and then go from there. So I get it from a business standpoint. Uh, but I think it would be awesome if they did make it to that point. And one thing to think about, too, is if they ended up doing this and doing the laser etching and adding things of that nature, how much big of a deal would those limited edition consoles be anymore? Would it affect the creation of those consoles? Uh, would they still exist? Or because now people can customize and do whatever they want, would it take away the uniqueness and fun of, oh, we have a limited edition Last of Us Part 3 console or God of War 3 console, you know, would it take away from that? It could. People could lose interest in the money put into in creating these limited edition consoles. That could go away. So there, there's also that ebb and flow, that positive and negative effect of, of doing something like this and having it catch on. So it'd be very interesting to see if it does 
uh, Plate Station 5, uh, as that company is called. It'll be very interesting to see if what they've done and jumped on, uh, jumped out of the gate, really, before anybody else has done it. Uh, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see if it means anything and if people are really as interested as message boards seem to say. Should console customization be a thing? Yeah, I, I think it should. I think it would be a lot of fun. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com, as well as on social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming or on Twitter at lostatseagamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.